right here it is time for john park's workshop thanks everyone for stopping by we have a bunch of people over in our chats both the youtube chat and the adafruit discord so if you're looking for chatting those are good places to check uh if you're wondering where the discord is go to adafruit.it that's our url shortener adafruit.it slash discord and look for the live broadcast chat channel uh, and you'll see this kind of shenanigans going on. Uh, also, checking out the YouTube chat. So thanks, everyone, for uh, stopping by in those places. Uh, and let's see. We've got a jam-packed show today. And by we, I mean me and Lars. Uh, and what should we do to start that off? Oh, I think the thing to do is to give you a bit of a discount if you're thinking of buying some stuff from the Adafruit store today. That's your coupon code, SPIRITS. Uh, the spooky kind. Not the liquid kind, the spooky kind. Well, it really works for both, but type that in uh, when you're on your way out from the checkout at the Adafruit store, and you will get 10% off of your order, and that's good on any stuff, uh, excluding gift certificates, software, and subscriptions. And uh, you can... Use that until midnight tonight. So that is today's John Parks Workshop coupon code, 10% off. Just type in spirits over at the store. Uh, the store has all kinds of good stuff in it. Some new stuff that came in last night. I was not quick enough to grab one of the uh, five, is it five or more? The, the multi-port uh, I squared C hub that multiplexes the I squared C, the multiplier. What's that one? Uh, let me go check my, where's my Chrome window I'm looking for? Uh, right here. Let me bring that up. Show you what I'm talking about. 
Oh, broadcast software is jumping all over the place. Come back here. Uh, here's the store. And cutting it off. Let me bring that all the way in the picture there. Uh, there it is right there, actually. You can see it. It's the Adafruit PCA95488 channel. It's eight channel STEM QT quick I2C multiplexer. I could use one of these. These look really cool. This allows you to deal with having one sensor board or other I2C board that has only a single address. Uh, you might remember from the split keyboard project, I got around this, uh, the TC8418 only had a single I2C address, so I used the two I2C channels on the QDPi RP2040. That's it, that's the limit there, until you use something like this, this little, uh, I'll click on it here. This little gizmo is very clever, and it does all of the uh, routing of, or holding the info and passing it on to the board. Uh, so we could share eight. Uh, where's my calculator? Let's do some math here. I'm just opening up a calculator app because I can't find a good physical calculator, which is sad. Uh, let's see, that's going to be eight. So we can do 80 keys on the uh, TCA8418, right? It's got eight by 10. Uh, I think it's eight by 10, yeah. 80 keys times eight of these, uh, 640, is that right? We can do 640 key keyboard <laughs> if we use this thing, that'd be cool. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, got distracted there, but again, the reason I was telling you about this is if you want to get a, uh, a thing, that not that one, that one's, that one's out right now. You can, you can sign up for the um, email notification when it comes back in stock, but this discount is just good for stuff that you can get right now. So head to the store, find something that's in stock that you want, and on your way out, type in spirits, get your 10% off. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Um, I have a help wanted sign right here. Uh, so Adafruit has a job board and uh, if you head right over there to jobs.adafruit.com, you can see all kinds of interesting positions or postings that you could sign up for. Uh, this one looked really cool. STEM program instructor at White Mountain Science, which is a, I believe, full-time and on-site um, position. A lot of the ones that we post are part-time or contract work, freelance, remote. This one is right there in Littleton, New Hampshire. I've never been to Littleton. I don't know where that is in New Hampshire. Uh, this is a STEM program that's uh, all around New Hampshire and northeastern Vermont. And they're looking for an instructor. So that's just one of the many jobs that's here at jobs.adafruit.com. If you check this out, you can see these are all free to post. So if you're looking to hire someone, you can post here for free. They're all vetted by Lamore and Phil, so we know they're good. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything to, to post them or to go check them out. So that's jobs.afruit.com. Have a look. All right, uh, next up, I have this show that I do on Tuesdays, same time as this, Tuesdays. Uh, it's called JP's Product Pick of the Week, and during the Product Pick of the Week, I pick something cool, and I demo it for you and give you a huge discount on it. This week it was this uh, NRF52840 sensor board, Bluetooth or BLE sensor board. Uh, and I like to do a little recap of it. So here's a one minute recap.
it is the NRF52840 sensor board. This is also known as the LED glasses board because it was originally released to drive our LED glasses. This is an incredibly cool dev board for all kinds of wearable projects and remote projects. It has Bluetooth, BLE capability. You can use that for things like Bluetooth MIDI, Bluetooth HID. It has an accelerometer on it so you can do tilt kind of stuff. I've got my little phone there that's listening over Bluetooth to what I'm doing with this neat little package. I've got a little LiPo battery under there. I am using the accelerometer and that's actually turning one of the knobs. Listen to it as I move the fader. Little add-ons we want using I squared C and you can chain them so you can have a bunch of stuff. I thought this was really cool to consider this board as just a dev board and not worry about the glasses part of it. NRF52840 sensor board, aka LED glasses board. Uh, so yeah, that was that was the product pick on Tuesday. Uh, and hopefully some people grabbed some. I think we sold a whole bunch of those. Uh, the half price thing is it's hard to hard to resist sometimes. Uh, and that's a cool one. So let us know what you use it for. If you do some Bluetooth projects or even just sensor onboard sensor projects, it's a cool little board. Uh, a nice alternative to some of the others, such as the uh, Cutie Pies, uh, Feathers, Itsy Bitsies, another, another one that comes in this flavor. Uh, let's see, what else? Hey, this is a great time to do a Circuit Python Parsec, and it's related to that product pick. Uh, how, you may ask? I'll show you. Okay, here we go. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to show you how you can change the advertised name of a Bluetooth device inside of CircuitPython. So this you may recognize is my little Bluetooth sensor board and I've got a Stemma QT slider on there and a battery. Uh, I've got it plugged in right now just so that I can code it in, in, uh, in real time as we go here. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up an app on my phone. Uh, this is... The, the app I use when I want to use Bluetooth MIDI, um, and I should, should be able to see that. Uh, so this is looking for Bluetooth devices, and you can see it's found one. It's called CircuitPi9CA6. Oh, that's not a very nice name, but that's what this is advertising itself as right now. So what I'm going to do is in my code, I'm going to add just this one line here. I've just uncommented it actually. And this is BLE, which is the name of the, the Bluetooth low energy object here, the BLE.name. That's it, BLE.name, and then you give it a string. So in this case, I'm calling it BLE MIDI Fader. I will go ahead and save uh, my code here to the board. And then I'm going to reset the board. So I'm going to press, oh, I didn't even need to actually, it just showed up on its own. So you'll see there my app, which is looking for advertised Bluetooth devices, now found something called BLE MIDI Fader, which is much more descriptive, much more helpful. And this way, you can distinguish if you have multiple objects available instead of just this generic circuit pie name. And so that is how you can customize the name of your Bluetooth device using CircuitPython. And that's your CircuitPython Parsec. Yes, you
just to finish the demo there, what happens here is this MIDI wrench is now going to route that, any Bluetooth coming into it, uh, right into the uh, app of your choice. So just so you can hear something with this, I'll open up, uh, what was I using? Animoog. So this Animoog uh, software here, actually I think this one has the option to do it directly, but a lot of apps are just looking for a kind of a system MIDI. Uh, and so that's how MIDI wrench is used. Let's see if this is uh, connected right now. Let me turn up the volume here. Oh, I'm not hearing it. I don't know what's going on there. All right, I didn't really have that demo prepared, but uh, you may see here, if I go into setup, same sort of thing uh, under my MIDI uh, inputs. Get the glare off of there. You can see BLE MIDI fader Bluetooth uh, is showing up. Uh, and then there's the MIDI wrench uh, actually showing up as well as an output. So um, really helpful. I don't think it's in some of our default code and, I've, and it probably should be. So we'll, we'll take a look at some of our more basic examples so that people know uh, that they can use their Bluetooth devices and have a nice friendly name on them so you can distinguish them. And uh, turn that off there. All right, what else we got going on? Uh, Let's see, not choppy on YouTube, said Paul. Was it choppy earlier on YouTube? Or maybe that's just, just something we say. Hey, guess what? Yeah, good, thank you, Paul, <laughs> I appreciate it. Good to know that it's not choppy, sometimes it is. Uh, it was advertising to me a, a high degree of confidence in the stream health, actually, the little uh, YouTube panel. I've probably cursed it, I should never have said that. We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, so next up, what's going on? Uh, I have a couple things I'm working on today. So I wanted to show you just a little bit, of, a small bit of hands-on progress uh, or work on the step sequencer that we started working on last week. And uh, let's, let's jump over there and get into that. So uh, let me... Pop up my main cam and get over here. Looks like that's in focus. So I don't think I had these little breakout boards uh, yet last week. So this is uh, what the little breakout for the step switches looks like. And this is actually designed to be snapped off of here. Uh, so you get nice uh, 0.1 spacing. They can basically be butted right up against each other. Let's see, that's too close for my focus. There we go. Uh, and what I've done is I've started soldering on some switches here. Uh, you can see on the back here, these have uh, all of the connections of the switch. So if we take a look at one of these little step switches here, you may remember we have, I think it's two commons a normally open, a normally closed. So those four legs there are all about the, uh, the switch that's built inside of it. And then we have the uh, anode and cathode legs of the LED. So to make life easy, solder the board in. And then when you flip this over, you can see we have uh, pins, which we can use sort of standard uh, pin headers on. I happen to have some fancy red ones here, although not enough, I think, for the projects uh, at the moment. And we have five uh, little connections there, and they are uh, replicated at 
at both sides of this, so you can um, bridge a gap on a, on a breadboard or a protoboard if you want, you kind of pick which side you're using. Uh, but these give you the uh, LED minus, LED plus, uh, the normally closed switch, normally open, and common. So the way these are meant to be used is first we solder to them. And I, I just started the soldering on this one, uh, and I wanted to uh, finish this up. So let me get focus as good as I can. Okay, so uh, these you just want to make sure the legs are straight, and then they basically just pop in like so. There's also two uh, pegs that have holes in the PCB. Uh, and then the trick here uh, is, let me just set something I can rest it on. The trick here is I need to hold this. Uh, you could use some tape or something like that. I'm just going to try to get it all done with um, pinkies and whatnot. And I'm just going to get one of those... Uh, legs soldered in place, then it won't fall out. I can kind of double check the fit. So this iron is warming up. It's almost there. Getting closer. By the way, I have a little detail on this soldering iron I wanted to share too. Okay, so get one soldered in place and then I'll check and see if it's if it looks square. Uh, and I'll press on it now and reheat the solder, make sure that it's nice and square. That looks good to me. Uh, the detail I wanted to share about this iron, uh, let me zoom out a little bit. This is this cool little pen iron, and I was having problems uh, with its voltage dropping, and I decided this morning it was the really cool silicone cable that it came with. I think it has uh, has a shorted wire or something. After not too long, if I moved the iron around, this was uh, glitching out. It could also be uh, problematic connections or uh, pins or conductors in here. So I'll take a closer look at that. But in the meantime, I switched it out for one of our right angle USB-C cables. And while this isn't very long, it is kind of nice because it gives the thing um, a kind of handle you can hold on to there and it sets it in my little uh, iron holder, prevents it from sliding all the way through. I don't have a good holder for this type of iron, but this stops it from going through and touching the desk. So um, that was a little hack I discovered this morning. So let's uh, finish soldering those into place. And so long as that, yeah, that wire seems to be much happier. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get the LEDs on this one. I have air conditioning running. It's still hot here, and uh, that's blowing the fumes right past me. I don't think they're headed up to my face. So while I don't have an exhaust fan that you're used to seeing, a little typical uh, solder fume extractor, it is workshops large enough that these are being sent far, far away from me. Almost there. So you can see it's pretty quick work. Uh, these come in packs of three for the switches for Adafruit. 
and uh, the PCBs here have 12 breakoff PCBs. Uh, I actually want to use 16 switches, so I, this is why I've got these extra four uh, on here. Uh, so now you can see we got these four, uh, we got these 12, so now I'm set. Uh, and now we snap them apart. I haven't done this with these so uh, before, so let's see how, how that goes. Um, usually I like to put these in a bigger uh, vise and snap them, so I might, um, you might be able to see the one back here, sort of. Let me get this out of the way. Set that down there, and let me switch cameras. Uh, like so. Uh, so I'm just going to take, um, I'll just remove, let's say, the bottom piece here on this one just to see how that goes. So I have a, a vise here bolted to a bench that's basically the same size. You might uh, be able to just do this with some pliers, your hands, the edge of the table, and a book. Um, but I'm going to try it like so. Yeah, so just wiggle back and forth, and that's clean, clean off of there. Uh, these ones I'll leave. I'm actually going to remove the, the set of these now. And I got a tip from Lamore about putting these together, which is you can go ahead and snap uh, these individual PCBs off of here and then solder them to a strip of header pins that have not yet been uh, broken apart. So don't break off little sets of five, but instead uh, put this in a breadboard, set them all on here, and that'll get you uh, a nice even row out of these. So that's my plan. Uh, but again, you're seeing me do it all for the first time with these here. Um, you could probably also do this by uh, soldering the switches after uh, break them off and then saw the switches after. That would probably work fine too. Uh, and then the individual switches, you can just snap those little PCBs off of there, like so. If you have a project where this is exactly what you want, then great, because you've got mounting holes on there. So depending on your needs, uh, that may be all you want. Uh, but I'm going to try to lay, I think, either two rows of eight or one row of 16, and we'll see how elaborate this, get, I, this gets. I've got um, Todd Kurtz Pico step sequencer as inspiration, and that's an eight step sequencer. Uh, going to 16 could just mean we get more subdivisions or longer uh, patterns, or I could go really wild with it and maybe do multiple rows of 16, let's say three of them or four of them, which would be uh, great for drum lines to, to send out different um, kick drum, snare, hi-hat, uh, open hat, and have it all right in front of you and see it, which is, which is kind of the dream, right? If you, if you think of the drum machines like the Roland 808, you only got to really see one pattern at a time uh, on them. But if you look at digital versions of the 808, uh, such as on the iPad, they will uh, usually display many tracks at the same time. 
which is ideal. Uh, but drum machines that do one track per uh, voice get big, get expensive too. Okay, so now the idea with these is, I'm gonna, let me switch cameras again and refocus on a big breadboard here. Ignore the uh, circuit that's on there. This is one I started putting a breakout of a teensy audio DAC board. Uh, so now what you want to do is set a strip of header. Uh, let me get some more. Let me find some more header. I won't get to... Oh, wait, I do have the multicolored header here. Yay. Okay. Uh, not that it matters, but... And what are... How many are on here? 36. Uh, so divided by what? These have five on them. What does that give us? Uh, seven. I can't do math. What's 35 divided by five? I can't believe I'm saying that live on the internet. Uh, calc. This is a 36 strip? Yeah, 36, 5, 7.2. Uh, so seven switches could go on there. I want eight, so let's add one, two, three, four. Uh, so let's go right here. This is a, I don't think I'm gonna jam that, well, I don't know if I wanna jam that all the way in. This, this is a breadboard that isn't fooling around. You know what, this might actually be easier on a Perma Proto. I'll just have to suspend it. Uh, oh, and by the way, I should check the chat to see if people are laughing at me about my math or have other questions. Let's see, where's the Discord? Let's just pretend the math thing never happened. Uh, <laughs> where is, here we go, live broadcast chat. Uh, hey, Cripnip, just in time for Synthplex. <laughs> big, big drum machine. All right, let's see. Okay, so. Let's find the spacing between these here. And which row is that? Oh, that's the one I broke some off of. That's the sacrificial one. Is that the right one? Yeah. Nope. There we go. Something like that. Uh, and... Grab this back again. If people don't know, Synthplex is a really incredible uh, music, electronic music synthesizer conference uh, that happens about a what a week and a half from now uh, in. Burbank, California. 
Uh, so let me add the extras. Is this a dumb way to do this? I don't think it is. Yeah, that should be okay. So should get us eight across. Uh, what color am I gonna do? Let's do red. I won't do all of these, but I'll just get it started. That first one is tricky, there we go. So now let's see, these really, oh my gosh, check it out, really dense. That's not bad. I mean, I, don't, I didn't mind the spacing of the original board, but this gets you a really, uh, just to keep the size of the thing down. Yeah, they've got zero space between them, but I think I like that. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Devin, DJ Devin says, being bad at math would be worse if you were wearing a calculator watch. Whew. At least I'm not. Uh, as people have pointed out, we lack the, that one looks a little funny. Why are those not exactly aligned? Did I do some, uh, I can fix that actually. I can try to reheat those and push that back later. Uh, we don't have orange, which would complete the Roland 808 look. So I'm gonna do red, yellow, uh, white, and black. Uh, so that's the idea there. I won't do all of these, but let me let me uh, commit to this a little bit and solder solder uh, one switch down. I'm gonna do this first one because that'll help me span my uh, broken off bit of header. Sorry, I don't really have a good camera for getting super close up for soldering purposes. Yeah, look at that. I can wipe the tip now without it going to low voltage mode. I think that cable was bad. Maybe there's a reason you don't see flexi silicone USB-C cables. I don't know. All right, so we'll leave that at that. Um, but you can see now uh, that's sort of joined up. It's very loosely joined up, uh, and I've and I've spanned across that little uh, extra bit there. So that uh, is going to be the beginnings of that, uh, and I'll and I'll take some care to really align things the best I can. Um, the, set this down over here. Uh, just a reminder of where this is headed. I have um, Todd's example here. This one gives us uh, eight steps. And I'm sending MIDI out of it right now to this little guy, this little uh, 
Wavetable Synth Nano Box from 1010 Music. Uh, and I can power everything off of this battery. Uh, one thing you sometimes find with USB-based devices is that they can have noisy ground loop problems uh, if they're plugged into wall sockets, uh, transformers and wall sockets. So when you can, batteries are your best friend for, for uh, avoiding ground loops. So these are actually both running off the same USB battery. I think sometimes that causes issues for people. I haven't noticed it with this though. Uh, but Todd's Pico step sequencer here is not a um, sound source. It is just sending USB MIDI and he's got it nicely uh, optically isolated. Whoa, come in here. Will you focus, will you focus? Yeah, it's a little bright. The screen's a little bright. Um, so this will be the idea is that we'll be able to turn on just some steps and adjust their uh, pitches. That sort of thing. Looking forward to that. Uh, sending pitches like this, great for melodic stuff, bass line things. Um, but the drums, if I want to do this uh, for drums, I kind of want to be able to um, just have like four channels of, of timings or even more uh, for different drum tracks that are each sending to their own voices. So uh, we'll see. That's the idea there. All right. Uh, so let me get this out of the way and then give me a second to kind of clean up here, uh, rearrange stuff, and then we will uh, dive into a little Halloween project that I've uh, got cooking. Um, so, yeah, this thing, by the way, this I just got, but once I figure it out more, I'll, I'll talk more about it. Uh, it's an incredibly cool little tiny baby synthesizer uh, that does wavetable synthesis, and they have a few others in the line uh, that do other, other types of synthesis. They have three of them now, I think. They will be at Synthplex, too, uh, so if you're thinking of checking out some synth stuff in the LA area. You could do worse than going there. Okay, that, that. And let me throw the extras. I've got a little project box here uh, that I am putting Oh, you know what? Those are non. Those are non PCB ones. I will leave those there so I don't mix these into it. That'll be the row two. I like these little boxes for carting projects around, though. Okay, so. Let me now move us on to uh, the Halloween project. So you may remember last year I did one of these um, how to modify a store-bought haunt prop types of projects. Uh, and I got 
this doorbell right here. I don't have my uh, power supply for it or battery pack, so I can't demo it. Uh, but this is one of these uh, haunt things. You press the button, eyeball opens, moves around, has a couple motors. Uh, and what I did was I took over, it's got a little microcontroller in there that's got a blobbed on chip that has sound files and the animation uh, patterns, all the code is on there. So I basically took it over and plugged the motors and uh, sound and lights. Is there a light? Yeah, there's a light. Uh, into a Cricut with a Feather RP2040 running it so that I could do my own custom stuff, custom sound files, custom animations, and so on. Uh, so I decided, hey, wait, it's Halloween in like a couple weeks, right? So let's, let's uh, see if they've got any cool new stuff at the Halloween store. So I went down to my local Halloween store and I found this thing. So let me zoom out a little bit uh, and demo this and tell you, tell you how, how it works. We'll take a look inside and uh, look at maybe doing a, some modification sort of takeover stuff to it. So looks like a Ouija board or a spirit board. I think Ouija board is probably owned by Mattel or someone like that, uh, Hasbro, so you can't actually say that. Um, but if you look online, and I'll show you a link, I found it on Amazon. Uh, they actually do use the, the name Ouija in the, in the Amazon listing. Uh, if we turn this on, uh, I'll put it in silent mode. It's got two-way or three-way switch, so it's off right now. Uh, turn it on, and you get mysterious Ouija action. Uh, so you can see here it's, it's lighting up letters as if the spirits are, I don't know why, but the spirits are saying, oh, the spirits just said L-P-H. I don't know what it's trying to say. Uh, but then you get this uh, little, I don't know the, the name of it, spirit letter decoder finder thing that normally you put your, your fingers on, um, moving. It is sound activated. Uh, kind of motion activated because of the sensitive little sound activation, so you can kind of tap it or bump something. Uh, and it's pretty cool. So if you notice, I'm gonna switch cameras. It's actually uh, possible to mount this at an angle or even vertically, uh, and it still works, which is pretty impressive. I'm gonna just tap it and get it going again. Uh, works best flat, but yeah, as you can guess, there's a magnet in there and a linkage mechanism that's doing, uh, doing the business of moving that thing around. And then there's also some code for, uh, for sound and lights. Uh, let me turn on the sound just so you can hear that. Uh, so you can imagine that sound gets a little old after a while, and I was thinking uh, I was going to want to put a mute button in there or volume, but it turns out they've, they've got a mode that just cuts the, cuts the speaker. Uh, but pretty cool. So first of all, let's take a look at how it works. Uh, someone asked, is there a fiber optic cable attached to the puck? It's actually a piece of fishing line 
which I think is there just so this doesn't get lost when it's at the store. Uh, or alternately, if you did have it vertically mounted and for some reason it slipped, it's just not going to go anywhere. Um, but that's all that is. So let me turn this off for a second. Um, so let's, let's take a look first of all at uh, the magnet situation. So I was excited that I happened to have on hand and could find uh, this, eight, uh, what do we call this, HD magnet view film. So this is product 4047. Uh, this is this little bit of, uh, switch the cameras again, this little sort of laminated sheet that has some sort of um, north-south oriented particles in it. And you can see if we move this around, you can find magnets. Uh, in fact, I've got a stack of magnets right here. So you can see magnets really clearly. Uh, you can get a little bit of a feel for their power based on how fuzzy or sharp uh, that is. And it doesn't care which side, so I flip this over and it'll, it'll always expose. Uh, it'd be kind of neat if this showed north-south, but it doesn't. Um, so we can see this thing only has one uh, magnetic ring. It's an impressively ringy ring. Uh, so either that's a magnet with something, like a large disc of a magnet with something in the middle. It could be a donut-shaped magnet. Uh, I don't think it's individual ones. That would probably not look as, as uh, clear as that. Let me actually zoom in closer so you can see that. So I don't think it would look that seamlessly uh, curved. If you look, in fact, at the back of an iPhone, one of the ones that has the um, charging mount, whatever they call MagSafe charging mount, you can see it looks pretty similar. Uh, I believe you can see some little steps in this because this is an arrangement of like 24 little rectangular magnets and then there's a, a long one or series of them down at the bottom here to uh, help orient this so you don't get the circle off axis. Um, but this is actually really helpful. I was actually trying to fix a Kindle uh, e-reader that was turning off all on its own and I wanted to try to figure out where the, the, the magnets on the lid of the, of the case are. So this, this, this really helps you spy on stuff. Uh, kind of neat to look at the sides of an iPad, which has all these magnet mounts for uh, attaching keyboards and, and such. Uh, so we have a magnet here. Uh, and then the little puck guy. For some reason, I was expecting the magnets to be where the feet are, uh, but they are not. Uh, they are... One, two, three, four of these magnets, just kind of in a weird arrangement. Uh, and then the feet are just a nice, hard, uh, smooth plastic. Uh, this top is laminated, so you know the, the idea here is the less friction, the better, because we're, we're trying to move it around with the magnet. Uh, I don't know if there's a good um, material or, or lubricant to use on something like this if you wanted to use a stronger magnet to hold something heavier. Um, so I'd be interested if anyone has any experience with that. Oh yeah, Andy Calloway says it's maybe a repurposed speaker magnet. That's a great call. Yeah, for stuff like this, 
Uh, I paid fifty dollars because I got it at a Halloween store online. It's about thirty dollars. That's the price you pay for being able to walk into a, a niche store and get it. Um, but you know, their cost on it, I'm gonna guess, is something like five dollars. So to keep it that low, uh, repurposing a magnet like a, a speaker magnet from an industry that makes ton of ton of them already is, is a good call. Uh, so let's take a look inside. So what I had to do is peel up these corners a little bit. The nice thing is that it's already made to look distressed. Um, I could have done a better job in some spots. I got under the adhesive and peeled it up in some. In other parts, I kind of delaminated the, the little artwork uh, a bit. But there were five screws. Uh, and actually, to find those screws, I did use a magnet. So I just went around. Uh, uh, yep, no, nothing on the side. Good. Oh, there's one right there. Um, so that's a nice way to, if it's a ferrous screw, to find, uh, find where your magnets are. I'm sorry, you couldn't see that. Let's zoom out a bit. Uh, so backside of it has just a battery compartment, and it takes three uh, AAAs. Uh, this, I guess, is the um, opening for the piezo. I think they're using a piezo to sense either um, a tap on it or sound. Um, so I think that's what that opening is there for. And then this is the loudspeaker there. Uh, so opening it up, we've got some short-ish wires, so we can't go too far with it, but I'll come back out. Uh, we'll zoom back in in a second. Uh, so here's what we have. Battery pack is here. Um, this is our piezo that's being used for sensing, I believe. Uh, this is our speaker, I think. Uh, the, you can see a ton of things run to the on-off switch, and that's because it's a uh, three-way switch. So it's got to tell, uh, I think, speaker on-off. Uh, and we'll take a closer look at what's written on here. Uh, then there are LEDs. So this mass of black and white wires, that's uh, what, four LEDs? One, two, three, four LEDs, I think. Um, so there's probably resistors on board for those current limiting resistors. Uh, and then we have this pair of red and black wires that are running to a uh, DC motor here. So if we take a little closer look there. You can see when this spins, uh, it's just turning this uh, crank. There's a gear tooth here, and then there's like a crank arm, uh, which is moving through this little arced path. Uh, and that mechanism, which I think we should be able to, yeah, we should be able to unscrew all of this. Uh, it'll just be like eight, nine screws. Uh, we'll take a look at the mechanism itself. I think the top will lift off from it and nothing should fall out, hopefully. Uh, but let's turn it on and watch that, just that motion. So you can see yeah, I don't think you can see the arm moving in there. So, But anyway, this is just moving in one direction uh, and then we get this reciprocating motion here based on the uh, design of this linkage. Uh, and then we have the other arm, which is, I think, essentially forming a figure eight pattern inside of there. Uh, and there you can see I can tap it again to, to kick it back on. 
So uh, the um, idea here for doing some modifications, one is uh, I would love to see if I can just take over powering the motor uh, using Bluetooth um, or a microcontroller running on a pattern. Uh, if you wanted this on your porch, let's say, or in a window during uh, trick-or-treating or some other Halloween thing, you might not want to rely on having to clap at the thing or yell at it every 20 seconds. Um, so if you maybe supplement the power with wall power and want it to run uh, at certain intervals, then adding our own microcontroller would be great. Um, even just to take over the motor. I don't think I care that much about this, this speaker sound sensitivity. So uh, you could, I'm not, I'm not certain that I'm sold on the lights either. I don't know if I like those LED lights, but we could plug those all into a microcontroller as well. Um, so let me turn that off and let's dig in to, I think what I'll do is I'm gonna take this motor off or wait, will I have to? Oh, that's not bad. Okay, I can kind of lean that there. Uh, what I'm going to do actually is take a good picture of things right now before I screw them up, which I always recommend uh, for these types of projects, um, just so I have a clear idea of... Oops. A clear idea of how things were wired. Video can be good for this too sometimes so that you don't block things. So sometimes I'll uh, go in here and just do a little video tour. Sometimes it's easier than thumbing through photos. Okay. And I just want one good close-up of the board there. Great. Okay, so now uh, let's see about, uh, looks like all of uh, this baseboard uh, has screws going into standoffs that are in the lid. So I think, you can see here these little baby screws. And I've got a little, um, speaking of magnets, I'm gonna put a little tray with a couple magnets underneath it here to catch my screws. Zoom out again. Sorry, you couldn't see the video of me making the video <laughs> the photos. Uh, so th these are a little ferrous. Uh, but this one is fairly unique. It actually, I've seen one other prop that uses a similar method. Um, and I will talk about that one in a minute after I try out a, uh, a little trick with this one. Actually, do I want to do, you know what? I'm gonna put this back together enough uh, to show you this, because we know it's working right now, and it might not be once I start poking around too far in there. So hold on, bear with me. Um, that's probably enough screws to hold it. Let me put one more over here.
Yeah, DJ Devin says that the entire premise on how my car YouTube channel started was recording video of me taking stuff apart I'd never seen before and putting it back together. <laughs> yeah, video and photos are so helpful for uh, rather than, I don't know, sometimes you don't want to take the time to put masking tape and numbers on things. Uh, so here it should still be working at this point, yes. Um, let me go to this mode. So here is another idea I had for this, which is, okay, the Ouija thing is, is cool and it's, it's appropriate for this, um, but you could also probably put different overlays on it and use different objects. So um, I thought, what about one of these magnet feet? These are little M3 screw magnet feet that come with our RGB matrix displays. Um, and so long as this, kind of grabs onto the magnet anywhere. Uh, it's got a smooth surface, it's metal. Um, this should move around pretty well, as you can see there. And it's definitely happy to stick uh, even vertically. But in this orientation, uh, we can stick stuff on there. So I'm going to take a feather. This is actually from my uh, goose costume that I used for something a couple years ago. So now we have this kind of cool, mysterious feather, which I think the, I don't know if it's the wind. Yeah, I think the, the air conditioning is blowing it. I uh, wasn't doing that before, but we get this really neat uh, effect. Oops. That is like a mysterious handwriting. Uh, and originally I was looking at a prop that was this, it was a spell book. Uh, it had a quill pen with a magnet on it, same idea, uh, except the mechanism just turned in a circle. It was just the, the magnet on a, uh, a little turntable inside was just spinning a circle, so the quill was just endlessly going in a circle. This motion actually works, uh, works really well, and the fact that sometimes the uh, quill rotates, sometimes it doesn't, really is a, is a great effect. That, that one I saw, I think it was constantly rotating. So, um, sky's the limit on cool things that you could attach to this, I think. Obviously, it needs to be pretty lightweight. Feather is ideal. Um, but you could also drag stuff along if you took uh, a little, little magnet on its side there. Switch views. Yeah, you could probably pull a little worm on a string or something. Uh, but this is great. This gives you a, a really nice indication of that path. It follows it really well. Um, and probably partly that's aided by the fact that this is a magnet on its side. So we have the north-south and it's, it's you know, repelling the back end of that, I think, and, and attracting the front end of it. Uh, so there's just some options there. You could build this sort of thing from scratch probably, but the, this linkage in here is just so well engineered. Uh, Let's have a look at it. I, you know, I think it might be the sort of thing you could build out of some popsicle sticks or uh, laser cut or 3D print. Let's see. You could drag a snake. That's right, Johnny. <laughs> That'd be very cool. A little tiny snake would be amazing. 
I love that. Okay, that's not too bad. Uh, so, let's get these screws out of here. I'm hoping, since I'm doing this upside down, it doesn't all fall apart. I'd probably try to flip this uh, and remove the top since things are attached to uh, this groove here in the gear. Okay, and we have just this corner one, mysteriously. Everyone else is, I don't know why they chose to add one more standoff there, but they did. Uh, and I'm just gonna get a little look at it. Side here. Yeah, it looks like it'll all come off. And I'm gonna flip it before I do that. So this will be like so. I'll hold that. It's not gonna go in very well. Ta-da! So there we have it. Ah, okay, yes, yeah, so simple. There's one joint. Uh, and I'm sure you could go online, or if there's any mechanical engineers in the audience, and say what, what particular uh, linkage name this is that does, does this kind of motion. But it is, I think, a figure eight uh, that this traces. You know, maybe it's not. Yeah, I guess the... It's almost like a, yeah, I guess it is kind of a figure eight. Uh, but really interesting, and, and I'm sure this will be a fun one to model uh, on a computer and just try different lengths of, of uh, the, the various arms on the linkage and see what, what kind of shapes you get. Uh, so there you, there you have it. The, uh, it does look like a circular magnet here in this arm. We can look back with our little viewer. Whoops. Now that we're nice and close to it, yes, that's definitely not made of individual elements. Uh, there's a decent amount of grease on here to try to keep things uh, running smoothly, which is, which is good and a good idea. Uh, and that would be the, the, I think, the trick of doing a DIY version of this thing is you've just got to try to keep the resistance uh, of friction low. Oh, some nice uh, in the chat mentioned that Disney Research did a lot of experimenting with kinematic linkages and posted a, uh, a link to it. I worked at Disney Research and I worked with that group uh, that, that worked on all of the amazing linkage stuff out of uh, Zurich, out of the, the Zurich lab that we had. That's uh, a blast from the past, but yeah, amazing stuff uh, that, that uh, Disney Research did with, with linkages and modeling uh, modeling the linkages necessary to get a motion. So you could feed into, this is one example for animation, you could feed into it a motion path that you wanted something to take and it would solve uh, what real mechanical linkages in real life could, could be used to generate that motion. Uh, okay, so this I think is actually pretty stable. It's not really going anywhere if I flip this upside down again. Um, you know, it doesn't want to be tilted that way forever. Um, 
But now we know, now we know what it looks like in there. Um, you could probably add other magnets to this if you wanted to have a couple of things moving uh, and, and look at the, the different paths that you get. Um, you know, something, something here would just be a circle, right? Just the screw there, if you put a magnet on that, you would just get a, a circle running all the time, which is probably more like that other uh, quill one. Uh, this elbow here just moves in a arc back and forth, the smiley arc back and forth. Uh, and then different points on this would describe different uh, shapes of that figure eight, I think. So uh, let's take this. Um, <laughs> DJ Devin says, you're making me want to go from synths to robots. I don't think any good will come from this. I think lots of good will come from this, DJ Devin. All right, so let's try to get this back on. Actually, you know what? This is a little easier to deal with while this is off, I think. Uh, and what I want to do is see if I can take over that motor using an, uh, a, a motor feather wing and a NRF52840 feather. So last time I did this type of project, I used the Cricut, which was great. Uh, I don't think I want to do as much, and this is a bit simpler. Uh, so the idea behind this is I've got a Feather NRF52840 Bluetooth right there. Uh, I have it on a Feather Tripler just because it was convenient. Uh, this would work on a doubler or stacked probably, but this keeps the height low so it could fit inside of uh, this box. Uh, I have battery power running, I'm actually using four double uh, A's here, but I want to measure voltage. I think this was getting about 4.5 volts or 4.2 volts or something like that when I, when I checked that motor. Uh, so, I, so I probably want to match close to that just so I don't burn out that motor. Um, but this is power going to the motor shield, motor feather wing rather, uh, and then the NR52840 can tell it what to do on up to four motors. Uh, these are all H-bridge, so these can go forward and backward, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the, the motor in the, in the haunt prop only goes in one direction. The clever reciprocal uh, design means that it doesn't need to spin the motor backwards, just one direction is fine. Uh, but this would give me the option to run it. Oh good, I just popped that out. Uh, to run it from either just code on the microcontroller uh, or over Bluetooth or other types of sensors. So let me screw that battery pack. It's a pretty thin wire, so it popped out easily. I should crimp those little ferrules on the end. Oh, it does not want to grab you. There we go. I think it got off to the side. Uh, so this is powered up. I'm just going to reset my feather wing here. Um, you could power this from a, a second battery pack. It's good to keep the logic battery and the, and the power battery separate. Um, and what I have just for testing purposes is one of our little DC motors in here. Uh, so I'm going to grab my phone and open up the Adafruit Bluefruit app. 
Uh, so this is the Blue Fruit app. And you'll see, oh, <laughs> I should follow my own advice and give this thing a good name. Right now it's just showing up as a, a CircuitPy YE7A9. Uh, but that's this, this one right here. Uh, I'll hit connect. And then the code I have running on here is, uh, lets me do three things. So I'm using this control pad right here and I can either spin the motor in one direction, I can stop it, I can spin it in the other direction, and I'm running at its top speed right now. Uh, so one of the interesting things is that you can probably find a range. Um, a lot of times DC motors will go happily down to about half speed, half voltage, and then up to full. Uh, we could probably alter that by, by giving it uh, more or less uh, juice, so a higher voltage battery pack uh, would allow us to have a higher top speed and then um, vary things more. But that's the, the sort of basic idea of what to swap into here is, again, my own microcontroller that I have full control over. I can code it, code it CircuitPython, code it in Arduino, uh, and ignore whatever little blob of epoxy chip is doing in there, because uh, I can't change that thing. Uh, so I think, you know what, we've run probably out of time for me to, to do that transplant, but I will uh, work on that and probably show you some updates next week. Maybe we'll have the, the full thing. Uh, and I'll take some pictures along the way and do a guide uh, because I think this is a neat one and it will really apply to most uh, types of haunt project that use a, uh, a motor in them. So if it's a, a, a battery powered DC motor, usually, uh, I've never seen a stepper or a servo in any of these kinds of projects. Uh, it's pretty straightforward to take it over using your own little motor driver, uh, microcontroller, and now we get to add things like Bluetooth to them, which is a, a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave that. I, I didn't even pull any wires out of it, so I'm pretty confident I didn't break it yet. Um, and hop back over here. So thanks uh, for coming to the chat. Uh, Stephen Franklin mentioned earlier when I showed this image that he liked my Bluetooth. Uh, yeah, that was kind of obvious what that product was going to be, wasn't it? Um, and uh, Dave Odessa, can we get in touch with Elvis with it? That's I haven't tried yet, so I can't answer that. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you look around, and, and I mentioned I would, I would show, um, first of all, the product as I found it online. Uh, here it is on Amazon. There are, they just say in stock, so I don't think there's a, a huge um, worry about running, running out of them. Uh, $31, it's much less than I paid. I paid 50. Uh, so that name didn't yield much. One Holiday Lane Animated Haunted Ouija Board. That's pretty much seems like only Amazon is calling it that. Uh, if you look up motorized Ouija board, uh, it's kind of hard to find this thing. It shows up mostly in the shopping results. But what you will find is uh, people who have built their own. Uh, in fact, here's one that looks like it uses a similar uh, type of linkage. That's, that looks like a cool one to check out, actually. Uh, let's, let's hope this video is safe. I didn't check it out before. Uh, yeah, look at that. That is a similar, uh, I don't know if that'll do the figure eight because it can't go all the way around. Yeah, that's gonna give us an arc at least. Let's see, has he got, 
Yeah, so that's cool. That's, uh, that's one way. Another thing I've seen some people do, oh, look at this one. There we go. Mechanical, oh, it's on Pinterest, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's cool, but I think that figure eight pattern is pretty excellent. Uh, so what this person did was a Cartesian XY uh, mechanism similar to a 3D printer or CAD uses uh, 8020 uh, aluminum and Arduino. Uh, I didn't see the finished result, but, but it's basically build your 3D printer, two axes of your 3D printer, and uh, you've got something you can control to go to any letter, which is great. So his uh, allows you to move the thing to exact positions, which is fantastic. Not gonna happen on a 30 to $50 plastic toy, but really cool uh, aspirational uh, project for that. Uh, all right, well, I think that's gonna do it, unless anyone has any other parting thoughts or questions, uh, things they wanted me to address before we get out of here. Um, I mentioned, I think, that I am just about finished with the Learn Guide for the Split Ortho Keyboard, so that should be out soon. Uh, and then I'll be uh, jumping on this, uh, so that hopefully some people who wanna do a little modification, have time before uh, Halloween. But you can use it for any time you have a seance or a spooky situation. Um, C. Grover said a Hall Effect magnet sensor could help to synchronize movement too. Oh yeah, you could start getting feedback uh, to where the thing is. So if you're, if you're controlling it and want it to uh, very finely tune the speed, then you, you wanna know when it, when it gets to a certain spot, which is kinda cool. Uh, any other things? Yeah, some good links in the chat for uh, linkage stuff. There was both that Disney Research one as well as uh, Todd listed uh, a YouTube channel for linkages. All right, I think that is it then. Thanks everyone for stopping by. It was great to hang out with you and uh, thanks for giving me an excuse to pull apart a a fun toy and take a look at it and uh, now we'll get, get to work on modifying it. Thank you everyone for uh, coming today to John Park's workshop, Freighter Fruit Industries. I am John Park and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.